Come on. All right. We've, um, yeah, yes, give Fritz a hand clap, please, in here. He deserves it. <laughs> hey, if you're, if you're new, um, uh, I'd love to get a chance to uh, say hey to you if I haven't had a chance so far. And so uh, after service, I'll make my way out as fast as I can in the lobby. So uh, if, if you're leaving and you see me out there or you see Lindsay, my wife, she'll be up here a little bit later. Hey, just, just come say hey. I'd love to get a chance to shake your hand and, and uh, introduce myself. Uh, our text this morning in our series, we're in a Jonah series, and so our text this morning is Jonah chapter 3. So you can turn there if you want. If you don't have uh, the scriptures with you, you can look on the screen. Jonah is in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a, a smaller in length book of the Old Testament. So if you're, if you're flipping there, it's easy to just go right by it. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. And so Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, all of them from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth, And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, thank you, Lord, for your word. We're in a Lenten series. We're in the season of Lent leading up to Easter. Easter is... Uh, just a few weeks away, and um, uh, uh, Lent is really a, a season where the, the church in general, the big C church, the church globally, focuses on themes and practices of repentance, all right? Themes and practices of, of, of repentance. So, uh, a question this morning, can you, anybody in here remember the last time that you were wrong, that you were wrong about something? You close your eyes and just think, when was, the, when was the last time you were wrong? Stop looking at spouses. I just, I just know all spouses just looked. I just, I just want you to know I saw it. When's the, how, how many of you in here have ever been wrong before? Like in your life, like at some point. Okay, okay. Most of you. Good, that's good. Most of you. How many of you enjoy, you enjoy being wrong? Anybody enjoy being wrong? There's... I saw a hand shoot up over here on the side. Go back down. No, nobody enjoys being wrong. All of us have been wrong. Nobody enjoys being wrong. When we're wrong, we're, we hate it when we are. I hate being wrong. Anybody in here, not only do you not love being wrong, you, you hate it. Anybody hate it? You're like, I, I hate being wrong. And therefore, I am rarely wrong. Like in your mind, you're like, I, I, even when I'm wrong, I'm not wrong. 
Yeah. Lent, the season of Lent's really where we prepare for Easter, which is the, the greatest moment of grace the world has ever known. And, and so it's a, it's a way that we prepare for Easter by recognizing our tendency toward being wrong. Or, to put it another way, just our bent toward sinfulness. So we, 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 just, we, we just have this tendency toward it. We, we don't want to talk about it. I don't like talking about it. The only way we get to fully recognize the power and the awesomeness of grace is sometimes by recognizing also the devastation of our sin or our wrongfulness. Fleming Rutledge says it this way, it's only by endeavoring to look sin straight in the face that we are able to understand grace. It's hard, this is hard because our culture, we don't like to talk about sin much anymore. We, um, it's easy for us to, to trivialize it. We say things like, uh, like little white lie. Anybody ever said little white lie? I've said little, I've said the phrase before. I've never told one. Um, I've never told one before. So, um, but doesn't count, right? Doesn't count when you cross your fingers. I've, I've, I've children. Okay. Um, no, we call, we call real sin that brings brokenness other things. We call it, you know, a mistake, uh, errors. I had an error. Uh, my bad, you know, maybe a, maybe a disorder, a disease, a, a tendency, an inherited trait, uh, Maybe it's a choice. Maybe we call it a personal opinion. Maybe we call it self-expression. Maybe we call it, you know, this is the way I am, the way I was born. Maybe it's a, an act of liberation. Uh, whatever it is, we rarely call in our culture sin, sin. And it's a challenge. It's a problem because we can't understand the joy and the freedom of life given by Jesus and what he has saved us to if we don't know what he saved us from. we got to know and understand what he's saved us from. And so this morning, the word that we want to look at is repentance. Repentance. Repentance is it's a hard word. It's a hard word for people in the church. It's a hard word for people outside the church. It, it, can, it can trigger people emotionally. It's... Uh, oftentimes because when we hear the word we a lot of times we think of some kind of uh, religious baggage or moral baggage that comes along with it Um, some kind of you know we think of you know somebody pointing their finger you know you know clean up your all your dirty sins or we think of the you know the guy with the bullhorn out on the out on the corner and he's and he's talking about all the people with those sins and of course it's all those sins that he doesn't deal with of course it's all those sins that we deal with and 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 so when we sometimes when we Hear the word repentance, we can get these pictures in our mind, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. And it's sad because the word repentance in the scriptures is one of the most beautiful and, and urgent words in, in the whole Bible. So repentance, the word, the definition there, uh, comes from, um, uh, at least in the, in the New Testament, we see the word uh, metanoia. So uh, some of y'all may maybe have heard the definition 
before of to, to think differently, to think again, uh, to rethink. It's, it, yes, that's what it means, but it's also more than that. It would, it would be, um, repentance would be to, to turn away from a life that is ruled by ourselves toward a life that's ruled by God instead. Repentance is to, to, to recognize, to think again, to turn from a life ruled by ourselves where we're in charge. Anybody in here like being in charge? Yeah, my hand's up, actually. <laughs> Shocker, I know, you know, the guy with the microphone. Yeah, so, uh, yes, and yet at the same time, all of life, so much of life is recognizing that I am not to be the one leading and guiding my own life, but it is God. And when God leads and when God guides, a lot of times God leads and God guides. The way he does it is by revealing to me things that I am not a fan of in my own life. I don't, I don't, I don't this is fine. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt anybody else. It only hurts me or maybe it only hurts a few people, but that's not a big deal. It's just, repentance would be to recognizing, would be this, would be recognizing, turning, recognizing and turning from a life ruled by myself to a life ruled by God. So we've been in the book of Jonah the uh, past few weeks. Lindsay kicked off the, uh, the series on the first week, talked about uh, God's mercy. The whole, whole series is on God's mercy. It's mercy even when I'm running from God. And so Jonah, um, Jonah gets this call from God to go to the city of Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh is known for its wickedness. It's known for its violence. And, and so Jonah hears the word of the Lord because he's a prophet. And, um, and when he hears it, he takes off and runs the other way. He, he goes in the complete other direction. He finds himself on a boat, and somehow God still chased him down on the boat, headed toward Tarshish, the other direction. Wherever Jonah went, God was already there, and he tries to get away and, from God, and, he, and he's napping on a boat, and yet God finds him. Jonah's sleeping, and the captain comes over to him, and he says, he says get up, get up, get up. Uh, I, I, we need you to call on your God. We've been, we've been above ship. We've been on top. We've been calling out to all of our gods, and none of our gods are listening, so we need, we need you to call out to your God. Here, now, I want you to get this picture. Here is, a, here is a pagan sailor who worships other gods trying to convince and ask this prophet for him to pray to God and hear from heaven for them. He said, our gods aren't listening. Would you, would you do it? Sometimes it takes the world to shake up the church and to wake up the church and ask us to do our job that we're already supposed to be doing. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal when the world has to rebuke the church. But oftentimes it happens. And so Jonah gets up. He says, actually, it's me. It's my fault. Doesn't even pray. He's just like, guys, all right, you caught me. It's me. Uh, so throw me overboard and because uh, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, he made them do it. All right. Jonah's not the good guy in the book. He, he, we, we love Jonah. I'm grateful for Jonah. Uh, Jonah isn't the greatest kid story in the world. When you're a kid, it is because you, you, you see the pictures and, the, and, and anybody, anybody heard the story of Jonah when you were little? Any, does anybody heard the story of Jonah when you were little? Yeah. And um, anybody, when you were little and you heard the story of Jonah, you thought it was awesome. You're like, I love this story. This is a great story. Yeah, it's great. It's not. I thought the same thing. It's not a great story. All right. Jonah is, Jonah's not the good guy. 
Um, so he gets in the belly of the fish. Finally, we talked about it last week. He's in uh, uh, what scriptures, some scriptures call the belly of hell. And he finally calls out to God. Finally calls out to God when he's there. But the good news is, is what? God hears our cries even when we're in the pit, when we're in the wilderness, when we're in between, when, we're on the other, when, when, we, when, when nobody else can hear us. God's there. And then finally we get to today, to Jonah 3, and chapter 3, and we hear this verse. It's one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible, and I read it. It was the first verse that I read this morning. All right, I'm, I'm going to go back to it. I want you to hear it. It's Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, and it just says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, let me tell you something. If there was ever a time to, to look at a scripture and be thankful to God, it is this one. God is a God of second chances. God's a God of second chances. The, the idea even here where it says that, um, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, it's, it's, it's to say that God's patience is unending. It's figurative language saying, communicating to us the character of God. It's, 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 not, saying that, it's not saying that God only returns and God only comes and God only calls out two times. Well, you got your second chance and now you're done. What he's saying is, no, 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 no. God, it, he, he returns. God's patience is so strong. Enduring, endearing. It is that he, he returns a third time, a fourth time, a 500th time, a 1,000th time. This is how God's grace and his mercy works is that he returns that many times. So, so Jonah's using, uh, the author's using figurative language here to show us um, that God doesn't wait until our lives are all fixed up, cleaned up, nice and pretty before he speaks again. I don't know about you, that is really good news for me. That's really good news for me. It's really good news for any of you in here that have decided I'm going to pursue the Lord and then you turn around and you fall flat on your face. Let me just tell you something. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And it'll come to us a second time and a hundredth time and a thousandth time. That's the... So, so Jonah goes and... He has this sermon. He preaches this sermon. It's not, it's, it's, I would say it's not a great sermon. It's only, it's, it's, it's three seconds long. All right? It's a three-second sermon. And some of y'all in here are like, I, I want to hear that three-second sermon. I'm fine with that one. I'm going to speak for yourself, Joel. Let's hear the three-second sermon. It's eight words. I don't know how many words it is in the Hebrew. Uh, I did not look at that. But it's eight words in English, so I'm sure it's not that many uh, in Hebrew. And, um, but here it is, Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Here's his sermon. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, here's his sermon, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. There's no mention of God. There's no mention of sin and justice. There's no mention of mercy. There's no, there's no mention of any of this. It's almost like Jonah isn't putting much into the sermon. I don't know how much preparation. He, you would have thought he had more preparation time in the belly of the fish. And I was thinking, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this around. I'll use this illustration. I'll pull it here. That's a lousy intro. No, no, no. I'm going to conclude. He didn't care about any of that. I don't, it's hard to think if Jonah even really cared at this point. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then it's crazy. The strangest thing happens. They all believe. They listen. They don't just listen, they respond. It's every preacher's dream, a short sermon and citywide revival. 
I heard a preacher's amen just then. Jonah has gotten everything wrong, and God still uses it. God still uses it. So the king comes in, he creates these new policies, and the city, they believed God's judgment of evil and violence of them and their city was real. They believed it was real. You know what? It it is real. It, It is real. God's judgment was coming because of their wickedness and specifically their violence. God's judgment is real and is still coming. Yes, Jesus has taken our sin and he has received our judgment. He is the sacrifice for us. He has received our sins. And yet at the same time, there is still a judgment coming. We profess that uh, all the time. We, the, 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 the creeds, when we go through the creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, we, we even say that. We'll say, you know, uh, we, we believe in Jesus and he ascended into heaven. And not only has he ascended into heaven, he will come to judge the living and the dead. There is a, there's a judgment there. Now he'll do it in justice. He'll do it with righteousness. He'll do it with mercy. He'll do it with love. It'll be based on his character. But it is there. It's there. And so Nineveh heard this, and then they repented. They repented. So what I want to do is I want to I focus on that word re- repentance. Really, for the rest of our time, I want to look at um, repentance, what it looked like what it looks like for us, what it looked like from the perspective of Jonah, from the perspective of Nineveh, and then really what it means for us. What it means for Jonah, what it meant for Nineveh, and then really what it, what it means for us. Um, so Jonah, Jonah and repentance. First one is this, re- repentance goes deeper than feelings. This is what we can see in Jonah. Re- re- repentance is, remember, it's turning towards God and doing God's will, whether we Feel it or not. So Jonah is swallowed by fish three days, three nights. He comes, he gets vomited out. There's some descriptive language, all right? It's vomited out onto the beach there and was saved. But Jonah's assignment didn't change. He still had the same assignment. Go preach to Nineveh. The assignment was same. And you know what? His feelings didn't change either. We can tell that by his thorough sermon that he preached to, his feelings didn't change either. When God saves us, he calls us, and he aims us and calls us to walk in obedience. Repentance rarely, if ever, feels good. I just need to say, it rarely, if ever, feels good. Jonah gets up, and he walks through Nineveh for three days preaching his sermon. Now, now, it doesn't say how long it took to get there, but a lot of the scholars will look at it and, and, and there's some conversation about it, but it is likely that it took about 500 miles to get from where he was thrown up on the beach to Nineveh. That's about the distance from here to Disney World. All right, has anybody ever been to Disney World by walking? Yeah, okay, gotcha, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's walking to... He's, so he's walking, and he's walking, and he's walking 500 miles. It reminds us that repentance is a journey. It's a lifelong journey. 
Martin Luther says it this way, all of life is repentance. You, you, you and I were made for union with God. We were made for relationship. And yet, every day we're pulled away from that relationship. It doesn't take much. Re- remember what repentance is. It's, we got a new picture here or a renewed picture of what it is. Remember, it's, it's, it's thinking again and then, and then turning, walking a different way. So here's Jonah for 500 miles walking out repentance. He's walking out obedience. But it rarely ever, rarely ever feels good. It's a, it's a lifelong journey. Every day we're, we're pulled away from that relationship. And, and it, do, it doesn't take much. I can get up in the morning and I can be, um, I can pray. Anybody ever got up in the morning early to, to spend time with Jesus? You're going to read your Bible. You're going to spend time with Jesus. Okay, I can get up in the morning. I can spend some time with Jesus. And then I can go and I can walk into the kitchen and I can encounter a demon-possessed child right there. It's in there with me. And all of a sudden, that union with me and the Lord is gone. It, it, it's, it's, it's disappeared. It's gone immediately. Every day, I need to repent. Every day, I need to repent every hour, every two minutes because I get distracted and I need to turn and I go this way and then I need to turn and then I get distracted and then I need to turn. I need to turn, constantly turning back. This is repentance, consistently reorienting ourselves back to God. Consistently reorienting ourselves back to God. And if, and if you don't feel that tug, if you don't think that you can turn in a, in a hot second away from God, then you're probably not familiar enough with your own darkness, your own brokenness. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I can, I can turn. I know how weak I am. I know how, I know how quickly I can be distracted. I can go from, I can have some praise and worship music going in the car just spending time with Jesus and I'm driving, I'm singing, I'm singing so loud. Any of y'all sing loud in the car? There's nobody else in the car. You just sing. Anybody belt it out? Yes. Just singing so loud and then somebody cuts me off and in, I'm talking in a second. What is wrong, you idiot? There's so many idiots on the road. That just came out. It just came out. I just turned. I sure. It happened like that. Anybody else? You can be with Jesus and then you can turn. In a second, it just, it doesn't, man, it doesn't take much. We see in Jonah, his repentance goes a lot deeper than his feelings. It's important because we're in a culture that says if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. And if it feels good, then it must be good. It's not often that you hear that exact language, but it's every day and all the time that we get that messaging, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. If it does feel good, do it. That's the, that's, that's the message. The people oftentimes, a lot of us think that following Jesus, we're supposed to feel it first. Yeah, I feel like following Jesus. Sometimes I feel like following Jesus. And sometimes I don't. I, I don't always feel like praying. I don't know that's a shock. Um, maybe. 
for some of y'all, I don't always, I don't always feel like, just because uh, I'm the pastor, I don't have a special anointing or gifting that you don't have to where every time I think about prayer, I just think, oh yeah, I can't wait. Oh, I'm going, I'm running. I can't wait to go pray. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, it's so good. Most of the time, I don't feel like it. Is that okay? Does it, can, I, can I share that? Can I say that? Are you guys with me? Are y'all there? It's, it's not, I don't, but there's nothing unique about me where I, where I feel it first. I don't always feel like praying for my enemies. <laughs> I never feel like praying for my enemies. <laughs> and yet, Jesus says, you've heard it said, you know, you know, uh, hate your enemies. I tell you, pray for your enemies. And, and I hear Jesus. And just because Jesus says do it doesn't mean I want to do it. I want to want to do it. But I don't want to do it. And so that's the, that's the challenge. We, we, we feel, a lot of times we feel like following Jesus. We're supposed to feel it first. We don't pray for our enemies because it feels good. We pray for our enemies because God calls us to be different in this world. I don't, I don't always, always feel like praying. I don't always feel like giving generously. It hurts. It, it hurts to give generously. It, a lot of times, I, I don't have a special anointing or a special gifting to give generously different than you do. It's just, I just, it, sometimes I'm, I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to give and I'm thinking, my thought is this, okay, God has provided for me before. I'm going to have to trust that he's going to do it again. God's provided for me all these other times. I'm just going to have to trust that he's going to do it again. I'm gonna, I, I, don't always, I don't always feel it. I don't always feel like reading my Bible. I don't always feel like praying for my enemies. I don't always feel like doing all kinds of things. I don't feel good doing it. One thing we learn from Jonah is this, is that repentance is deeper. It's more than feelings. The truth is, in Christianity, in following Jesus, when Jesus says to follow him, it's hard. It's hard. Jesus says, I want you to, I want you to pick up your cross and I want you to follow me. And we've we got to be careful because when we think, of, we think of crosses, a lot of times we'll think of <laughs> like jewelry. We'll be like, okay, yeah, let me, look, hang on, Jesus, let me get my necklace real quick. Let me, hang on, I got it, I got you. I'll put that on real quick. And um, Jesus is talking about a form of execution. So there's a difference. And Jesus says, I want you, the listeners at that time, when he said, pick up your cross and follow me, I don't know how many were really tracking with him in that moment. That's, that's, a, that's a wild thing to say. Take up your cross. I don't I always feel like it. I always feel like it. So one of the biggest challenges of living a spiritually healthy life is waiting until we feel holy enough and good enough to do what God's called us to do. And there's just some things in life that we're just not going to feel good about doing, but we do them anyway. I rarely feel like doing the dishes. Anybody just love it? You're just like, I can't wait. There are some. I'm not saying there are some of you. I have a family member, not immediate family member, of course, no. But I have a family member who, he, lo he loves doing the dishes. And he's not related um, at all. He's by marriage. And so I don't always feel like doing the dishes. I don't always feel like stopping and filling up uh, my car with gas. 
I, I hate filling up with gas. I feel like I don't have time for it. You know, it's, what is it, three and a half minutes? I'm like, I don't, I don't have time for this, this craziness. I don't want to, st- anybody enjoy stopping? You're like, yeah, I just, I like, I like stopping. I like going in and getting a Coca-Cola, you know. I hate it. I don't want to stop. I never want to stop again. Guess what happens when you never stop for fuel? All right, so I, there, there are things that we, we don't feel like doing, but repentance says, I'm called to follow God even though I don't always feel. Same applies to our relationship with God. Jonah doesn't wait until he feels good about the Ninevites to obey. Here's the truth. Jonah was never going to feel good about it. He was never going to feel good about it. I'm called to follow even though I don't always feel. I'm called to follow even though I don't always feel. All right, so now let's look at Nineveh. That was Jonah. Nineveh, they repent kind of in their own in their own way. Jonah's repentance goes deeper than feelings. Nineveh's repentance goes deeper than their words, deeper than their words. The people of Nineveh didn't just feel remorseful. They put actions to their convictions. Repentance goes deeper than words. First, they fast. They fast. The king says everybody is fasting. Everybody's fasting, even the animals. All right, anybody ever, anybody ever, you've, you've ever done a fast before? We've done fast here with the church. Um, maybe you fast a meal or you fast um, something in your life. The idea is you take this appetite, this craving that you have, and you say, no, 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 I'm going to starve this appetite because I actually am hungry more for the Lord than for whatever this thing is. And it's a, it's a discipline. It's a, so, so you're fasting, whatever. Anybody ever done like a fast before where you, maybe it's food or it's a TV or screens or, or whatever? All right, so anybody ever had your, your, uh, your, your pet at the house fast with you while you're, okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry, dog, we ain't eating today. He's just staring at you. He's like, for real, man, I didn't even choose this. I didn't even do anything wrong. You're the sinner, you know? <laughs> the king takes the entire, the whole city, and he says, we're all fasting. Your animals are fasting, and they all do it. They all do it. Now, this, is, this is wild. This is crazy. We can't just look back and be like, well, that was Bible times. They were all pretty crazy. You know, this is, the point is we, we look and, and the, the Ninevites, they, they do it. They fast. They put sackcloth on. The king um, uh, uh, creates a, a policy. No more violence. Not just like, like, with, like when the kids are at school, don't fight. It became a, they they installed this policy throughout the entire city. The decree is from the the playgrounds all the way up to the courtroom of the king. Putting away violence, he institutionalizes it. Everybody's repenting. It's more than words, beyond remorse. It's more than, I'm sorry. Repentance is is more than just remorse. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. He said, if you board the wrong train, it's no use running along the corridor in the wrong direction. All right? Anybody ever been on a train before? You ever been in a, on a subway before? Anybody ever gotten on, the sub, on a subway on the wrong subway before? Maybe on a bus. You got on the wrong bus. And then you realized it, and then you just started running backwards to the back. You're like, no, I'm on the wrong one. How good is that? It is no good. It is not helpful. Bonhoeffer says, this is, this is what it's like to be remorseful, to be sorrowful, but to not repent. Repentance is getting off the train. 
and go in the other direction. It, 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 it's good. Remorse is, is, is good. Being sorrow, sorrowful is good. There's a difference between confession and repentance. Our, our confession, which is good, it's right, it's, it's, it's helpful, it's, it's so, it, oh, it brings freedom. It brings freedom. It, it, the psalmist says, when I kept it all inside, my, my bones wasted away. But then when, I, then when I opened my mouth and told it to God, oh, the freedom. Confession is good. It's good, but it's different than repentance. Our confession leads us to repentance, but it doesn't replace it. One of the most beautiful things you and I can do is to pray a prayer of confession. God, Lord, I've sinned. It's the beginning work of freedom, but the the danger is that the work is finished. We think our our work is finished. So confession can even become deceptive because we think it's over. We think the work is done, but in fact, the work really is just beginning. It's just beginning. Confession leads us to repentance. So what, what, is it, what does it look like? What changes do I do? So if, if I'm, you know, what does it look like to repent of, of greed? Greed. Scripture talks so much about greed. What does it look like to repent of, of greed? Well, well, it means I confess that. God, I, I, need, I, I repent of my greed. And then I begin to practice generosity. I can't just be like, I'm not going to be greedy anymore. But then I begin to practice generosity. And it's actually one of those things. It's not just embedded in us as humans. It's, it's embedded in our culture where we are. It owns us. Jesus tells a parable. It talks about the greed and, and, the, and, the, and the wealth of life. Chokes out the word. It'll choke it out of your life. So what do we do? We practice generosity. What does it look like to repent of my anger or my rage? I confess it and I repent, but then I turn around and I get some practices. I get some new tools. How do I, how do I use to deal with this? I'm not going to do this anymore. So how do, what, does that, what does that look like? What does it look like to repent from, from secret sin? Maybe it looks like I confess it to like a, a, a real human, a real person. And I get somebody to help me through it. So the Ninevites, they don't just confess, but they repent. They're a, they're a model the Ninevites are a model, and here's what's so amazing. Here's what's so amazing. God longs to rescue the people of Nineveh. It's, it, 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 it's hard for us to, to grasp that because we just think the, the, the Ninevites, they must be another, just another nation, another city, another group, another tribe. There's, there's all, the, all the ites of the Old Testament. You know, you ever, you've been reading through and you're like, there's so many of these, I can't keep up with them. And so we think, well, the Ninevites just must be another one. They're not just another one. There was a reason Jonah hated them. There was a reason for it. Because, but, the, but at the same time, they're, they're a model. God longs to rescue the people of Nineveh. They're known for their wickedness. They're known for their violence. And yet God's interested in them. God's interested in them. This ought to remind us of a few things. One is this. There is no place too dark that God won't go. There's no, there's no place too dark that God won't go. There's no place that's too far that God won't go. There's no amount of times that God stops returning. There's no amount of times where God says, you know what, 
I'm done. God continues to return. Worship team, if you guys would make your way to the front. It reminds us there's no place too dark God won't go. No place too hopeless God can't save. Some of us come in and we think, my struggles, my, my sins, my darkness, my addiction, my frustration, my this, my that. It's just, it's too much. It's got to be too much for God. It's got to be too deep for God. There's no place too deep. There's no place too dark. There's no place too hopeless that God can't save. Romans 5 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Now, this is good. This is good. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we try to get cleaned up before we go to God, we make the salvation about us. It's not about us. Salvation is about God and his goodness and his grace. There's nothing we can do. There's no place we can get. There's no amount of ordering of our lives. We get all, we get all settled in. We get, okay, all right, now God, will, now God will hear my prayer and he'll pay me attention. I'm, now I can repent. Now I can turn toward God. Now I can turn. There's no level of preparation. When we turn to God, we turn to God right where we are. Right where we are. We turn to God right where we are. He goes to the darkest. He goes where there's no hope. Even Jesus has the obedience beyond words and beyond feelings. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. We'll, we'll talk about this in a few weeks. He's about to go to the cross. He prays this. Look at this. Luke 22. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Did Jesus feel like going to the cross? And yet he was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. What a, what a model for us. And so I'm reminded of this truth. We don't repent to get God's grace We've already received God's grace, therefore we repent. Now don't get, I, I, really, I really thought at the beginning, when, when I was looking at doing this message, I thought about when, when words are so clouded with other types of meaning, or they can, they, they, there's so much piled on top of them, I thought you can either um, change the word out and use a different word, or you can try and, and redeem it to some level. And I thought, I don't want to, the scriptures use the word repentance all the time, but man, especially in the Bible Belt, the buckle of the Bible Belt in the South, we come in with pictures of what that means, and, and some of those are accurate, and some of those are, they're not. They're not biblical. And so, and so when, I, when we use the word repentance, remember it means to turn, to think again, and to turn. And God's, God calls us to that. God, God doesn't call you to that like this. Repent. God calls us to repentance with his son stretched out his arms on the cross with this phrase, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. The ones that put me up here, the ones that put me on the cross, they don't know. They don't know. Father, forgive them. And so what do we do? 
we remember we don't repent to get God's grace. We already have God's grace. God's aimed, his grace is aimed at you. But when we're turned around like this, away from God's grace, how can we respond when we're aimed running the other direction? So what do we do? We, we turn and we go, okay, God, I, I, I'll receive now. I'll open back up now. That's, that's what repentance is. And so I love this, I love this passage, Lamentations chapter 3, just as this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. All of us have walked into this space coming from a lot of different angles, a lot of different pasts, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different histories, a lot of different levels of awareness of who God is. We come in with some of these wrong pictures, some of these right pictures. But we're all in here together this morning, and we're all the same space, same level, all even, all equal at the foot of the cross this morning. And so what I'd like to do is I want to pray for you, but I also want to um, uh, sing a song together. Would you guys stand up with me this morning? And if you would, with your eyes closed, if you're in here and you just say, Joel, I, the, the message that you're talking about, turning, thinking again and turning toward Christ and receiving grace, it hits home with me. That's what I need to do. Um, that's what I need to do. This, this is my confession this morning. That's, that's me. Nobody's looking around. Just me and, and Jesus. If that's you and that's your prayer this morning, God, forgive me, I'm turning back toward you. Whatever that is, that could be a million different things. But if that's your prayer this morning, would you just acknowledge that and lift your hand as a confession this morning? That's you. God, I'm turning to you. Yes, so many, so many. Yes, yes, I'm turning to you. Yes. If you're in here this morning and, and you say, Joel, I've, I'm, I've, I'm responding to God. I've, I'm not following Jesus. I'm not a follower. Maybe I was at one time or maybe I've never been. But I want to be today. I want, I want to receive his grace today. I want to follow him. And I hear his invitation and I want to respond. And so my answer is yes. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real, real high and you can put it back down. Anybody in here? Father, we love you this morning. Lord, we praise you, God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your calling. Lord, we thank you that you would send your son that while we were yet sinners, you died for us in our place. God, not angrily, but mercifully. And so, God, we pray that you would change out the picture in our mind that we have. God, in, in its place, put the picture of who you are, your son, Jesus. God, I pray that we would see clearly who you are as we turn toward you this morning. Do a new work in us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing with us this morning.